The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco. All right, a little bit new this week from the Pink Seeds Podcast. We're going to switch things up. Normally, we would do one episode where we would do everything together, but for the sake of time and for convenience and all those things, we split it up. And for this episode, we're going to exclusively talk about Clemson, which uh, is coming up this Saturday for Louisville to do so. Uh, we've got a man who was on the field multiple times against Clemson throughout his career. Gigi Robinson, former defensive lineman for Louisville football, joins us. Former recurring guest. It's great to see you, man. This is like, this is this has made my week. Even better than winning four games in a row, this has made my week. Welcome in, buddy. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm glad to hear that, man. It's good to see y'all, man. I, I knew... Uh... My mom told me that that she missed me on here, man. So I had to jump back on for you. Yeah, see, I've, I always got to make mama, mama proud, mama happy. I, <laughs> I respect that, man. Well, first of all, just it's been a while since we've had you on. Just give us a general life update. How are things going? What are you up to? The last time we were, um, you know, having you on regularly, I know you were living in, in Georgia back with your family and everything. So what what's up, man? Oh, wow. I guess I haven't done it since I've been up here. Dang. Yeah. You in, used to have dang. the backdrop with all the jerseys. It was yeah. Like, that that's an NFL crazy. basement yeah. right there, man. That's crazy. No, so after I finished my MBA, um, I got a job up in New Jersey with Brown Foreman, and so I'm in the liquor industry. And so I live up here, uh, live uh, 30 minutes away from New York, uh, enjoying myself, man. Fun industry to be in, really enjoying myself. Obviously, miss like I don't necessarily miss football. I miss like I guess you guys can tell from my tweets. Like I miss like the the logistics and the the coaching aspect and the and all of that that's what I miss the most and so that's why I'm always trying to be in tune with all that so I'm always tweeting about it want to jump on podcasts want to talk to people about the game and things like that well you are in the is right Henry game. up there with you yeah, yeah yeah he's my roommate he's in his room <laughs> no, my Henry Famaru is up there, there. you go about you who, who would have thought? Man. I bet y'all have some good, uh, good time up there for sure. Yeah, I bet those Great grocery time. bills, those grocery bills are high each month, man. Trying to feed we, y'all we up went, there. <laughs> we went grocery shopping yesterday. <laughs> there you go. I love that, man. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Louisville football. Just kind of you know from a from a thirty thousand foot view here. Just give me your thoughts on early in the season, the first couple of games versus where they are now. Yeah, man. So, man, going all the way back to the beginning of the season, like Syracuse. Ooh, yeah. Hurt my soul. I, I can't even stand a lot because I, I definitely didn't expect that. Like, I didn't expect – that's the last thing I expected. But to come to find out, Syracuse was good, but not that much better. Than they were good. Like, say we were playing now, it would still be a good game. But they weren't 30 points better than us. What, did we lose 30-0 to zero or something like that? What was the score? 
31 to seven. Yeah. yeah, 31 to seven. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, it was so, ugly. But but when that happened, I was I, obviously like all Louisville fans. We were upset, things like that. And then uh, Boston College was was inexcusable too. Just found a way to lose. Um, it was it was frustrating. But at the same time, I was never on the like the Louisville fans were killing me on Twitter with the whole the fire stat thing and everything like that. Because one one I've always believed in that. I've always believed in that. Obviously, there's sometimes where he's not where he hasn't been the best and I'm, I'm sure he'll be the first person to tell you that so obviously we can criticize him I remember when I was when my senior year we, we played great when we were eight and five on a bowl game with that everybody was loving that and now now they hate him like come on now so that was killing me and I just thought they could write the ship I definitely didn't want him to get fired uh during the season which everybody was freaking asking for and I knew he could write the ship and he's definitely doing that now and obviously long way to go Big games coming up. If he could, if he could close it out, we got to get. I mean, I'm biased. I feel like we. I know we could beat Clemson. I feel like we could beat UK. I mean, who, who's in between that? NC State, and that's it. Yep, Clemson, yeah. NC State, UK. Man, and those are all winnable games. I don't know if I'm just drinking the Kool Aid that that right now <laughs> on the high, but I, I believe that they can win all those games. And and Sat has definitely turned it around. And big shout out to Coach Brown too, because he's the one who turned it around for the most part. Like. Because I've been super critical of him, and I know I, I don't know I always tweet about it, tweet about the defense, and critical of them. Because man, it's tough to watch at times. Like giving up third and thirties and things like that, just killing me. Three man rushes and everything like that, and, and he's completely they one eighty turnover margin. Everything's looking good, and so I'm I've I never was off this that train. Never was off the Louisville train. So I'm just seeing. Everything come to fruition, which I thought was going to happen, and Louisville looks good. Do you remember at 2019? I'm going to put you in the way back mobile, take you back into time. Vince, you'll probably remember this as well. You'll both appreciate this. It was Boston College 2019. I think it's like game four or five. No interceptions yet at that point. It was, and I remember that being a big talking point. And then against Boston College, Anthony Johnson got the first one of the year and the crowd went freaking ballistic. Like, do you all remember that at all? Because Presley, we covered that game in, in person yeah. together. It was one of the first games we've covered. And I remember we were out on the balcony of the media section when Anthony Johnson picked that off. And it, it was crazy, dude, because it's just all like right. this huge relief. And now look at them. They're number one in the country in turnovers for us. I mean, it's yeah. just unbelievable. Like you can't, it's like, yeah. you probably can't even recognize this defense in terms of, how they've progressed from where you were in 19 all the way up until now. Right. So I, I don't remember that one pick in particular, but I remember that Boston College game because we were wearing, we we're wearing the all white uh, with the, with the uh, black stripe down the side, Ali knockout uh, jersey. So I do remember mm -hmm. that game, but I don't remember that pick in general, but yeah, that was a big problem. We couldn't get turnovers. Couldn't get turnovers last uh, 2020. Couldn't get turnovers in 2021. It, it had always been a problem. Defense was always a glaring issue, and I, I'm I'm sure, like I said earlier, like I, it's not like I'm ever talking shit about Louisville. Coach Brown would be the first person to say that they weren't playing up to the standard that they needed to be playing to, and now they are. I don't know. I would love to have been in the meetings to see what the hell he was saying to them that got them that lit a fire in them. Because I would love to be a fly on the wall in the meetings. Well, that that's a perfect transition to my question for you, man. Because I, I, as you know, I've been the one. Like, if there's somebody holding the torch for Louisville football this year, I've been that that optimist kind of holding out hope this year. And uh, you've been in my DM no because you've been like, <laughs> listen, what, what is it that you're seeing about this team that makes you believe? But, I, like, I feel like I felt like they had the pieces. Like, I truly did. Most like, I talented feel like they, team since 2016, 2017. I've stood yeah, on no, that they, firmly. They, they have the talent. They have the depth. They have the experience. But the thing is, the transition was difficult this year, man. And, like, you know, you messaged me before the Virginia game. And, like, if you remember, we were in the trenches before the Virginia game. Like, yeah. we were ready. We were ready to get out of there. Like, we were ready. Like I, like, I think even the most optimistic person was, like, all right. Like, this is Sats, like, last go around. He's got to win this game. No Malik Cunningham, whatever. And you DM me. You're, like, there's no way we're, we're winning this game. And I was, like, dude, I'm telling you, we're going to win this game. They went down 10 to nothing after the end of the first quarter. And I DM'd you, and I was, like, all right. This ain't it. I was like, <laughs> so you followed. You didn't mention that I part. Did. Okay, but since then, let me tell you this. I crunched the numbers since they were down ten to nothing against Virginia. They played. They 
uh, played the three quarters against Virginia, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and JMU, and they won 140 to 48. I love that. They, they won since I DM'd you that. <laughs> they were up. They won 34 to seven against Virginia, 24 10 against Pitt, 48 21 against number 10 Wake Forest, and 34 10 against James Madison. So they ever since you. Ever since you lost hope, they done they done got yes. it right. Every like <laughs> you were the last took, straw, bro. The, it took Coach like Brown I was, walked in, said, "Damn it, Presley's off the train. We got to get him back on." <laughs> yeah. So if you're not aware, so there's there's like a local radio station. Andy Sweeney is is a guy who he just he loves to give Louisville fans crap. He loves to give UK fans crap, which is why we love him. Whatever. But he said, "I'm I'm the only person in the entire fan base that has a pass that I can talk shit to anybody else because I'm the only person." who held out hope, but even, even I was, I think I was the last person to go over that edge. Like, I feel like Scott Satterfield had to be in the back of his mind. Like if we don't score here, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if he doesn't hand that ball off on third and 10 or whatever it was at the 50 yard or what, no, it's fourth and one at the 50 yard line and, and run for 51 yards or whatever it was for a touchdown. Like we could be talking about a totally different thing here. So like, I guess my question for you is you know what what have you seen change you know virginia pitt wake james madison so you're looking at 82 51 37 and 78 in the sagrin ratings like not not some schmucks but not not like the cream of the crop either uh what have you seen change over the last four games that's kind of turned this thing around i don't i can't vividly remember the pit game but i will say the team that i saw in the wake forest game was not it wasn't the team in any game, like even even in the the, the Virginia game when they won. I didn't see I, defensively because obviously I'm a defense guy, so I I like I love to watch the defense. And it was not the same. They were I don't know. It, they literally looked like somebody lit a fire in them. It, that's just what it looked like. And nobody is losing a game when your defense is forcing a team to turn over the ball that much. There's I don't care what your offense is doing. I don't care like how good or how bad our offense is looking, if our defense is playing at that high of a level, it's not – we're not losing. And that's simply what it comes down to. Defense has, has really stepped it up more than – way more than expected. And what it looks like, we're like second in the country in sacks or something crazy like that. Yeah. I never thought that Louisville, the University of Louisville, the college I went to, I never thought we would be tied for second in sacks. I just – like, that's crazy to me. But those, play, those boys are playing at a different level. They're playing with, with, like, a bunch of fire in them. And I don't know, man, Coach Brown, Coach Ivy, they got them boys rolling, and I love what I'm seeing. So I would, to answer your question in short, it's defense. It's the defense. I do have some sad news for you, and I don't know if you're a big stats guy, if you kept up with your stats after each game and each season of your career. We talked yes, about this a couple did. weeks ago. Yes, he did. He kept up okay. with Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's my point. Here's what I'm getting at. So we, a couple of weeks ago, we discovered the defensive line, specifically the front three. Uh, there has not been anybody on the team uh, lead the team in sacks from the defensive line uh, since you did it in 2019 with four and a half sacks was your total. In ah, look at him. Wait, so you, wait, hold on. You only have four. I, I, Chris Smiley. Like okay. <laughs> hold on. I didn't. I didn't, though. I didn't. It did. Monty, Monty left the league in sacks. No, but I Monty's remember. not a defensive lineman. Monty's a oh, linebacker. I know. You, I'm, I'm talking the front three, the three, the three down linemen. You, you've, uh-huh. you've held the record for the most sacks in a season under Satterfield with four. Well, you've tied. Oh, okay. the, the record was tied last year with with Ashton. We discovered, but point being, okay. that has been broken this year. Yaya Diaby has officially broken your record, and he now holds the the record as the most sacks in a season by a defensive lineman. And I just. That, that's got to hurt you a little bit because you did hold on to that for three years, man. That's a, that's a <laughs> man, amount of time. I didn't even know. I had no idea. All I did know was my senior, my, uh, senior year, me and Monty were going out on who was going to lead the lead or lead the team in sacks. And Monty got me by one. I think he had five and I had four. And that killed me. But um, to, to echo on your point, uh, Yaya is playing at a very high level because I can't lie. Uh, last year, I was expecting like very big things out of him. I just, I don't know why. Like I had heard like a whole bunch of things. Like that, he was gonna be like some unworldly guy. Yeah, you probably listened and, to our show. That's probably where you got that. <laughs> I know. No, I had I was hearing it from a lot of different people, man. And I was like, I can't wait to see it. Like I was excited, and I was really let down. I can't lie, and I'm sure he'll tell you that he didn't have the best year last year. He didn't look the best, but boy, it looks amazing. And I know somebody is playing well when my dad goes out of his way to text me and talk about somebody because my dad is not easily impressed. 
Like, I can't tell you how many times he told me he did dang good game. So he's not easily impressed. And he went out of his way to text me multiple times. Number six, I like number six. Number six is good. Number six gets up to that quarterback. So I know Yaya is definitely playing on his game this year. What What do you think it is? Do you think it's his effort, his get off? Uh, I don't know, the way he engages the offensive lineman? Or, or is it B. Brown dialing up a good, you know, long stick or a game or something like that? Like I said, man, about with the with the just how they're playing, like they're all playing well. And when you have somebody like a uh, somebody playing like Esther is on the other side of him, or or just beside him, nobody just can't get double team. Like I can't tell you, like we got double team every day, or I, I got double team every play. Like you can't do that when you have so many passers that are playing well. Monty's playing well. Um, Yasir is playing amazing amazing and that's the story for another time he's playing out of his mind and then you have yaya as well. you can't double team every single one of them and when they're all coming at you with a with a full force uh with a full head of steam it's it's hard to stop and so somebody has to and they do play hard too nine plays very hard um he plays very hard i, I love 95 he plays walk on <laughs> I like 95, man. He plays hard. He, I like what I see out of him. I, he left in 2020, and I promise you, he was probably like <laughs> 200 in 2020 when he left in December. Came back in 2021 and was like 245 pounds and just like a completely different football player. He works moves. He plays hard. So, them, so what? one thing I will say, oh, somebody said a long time ago, you take the identity of your coach, like – and obviously, y'all know how crazy Ivy is. That's how the D line is playing. They're playing crazy. They're playing like they're like their hair is caught on fire. Y'all know how crazy Ivy is. He's a crazy dude. And that's how defense is playing. Ninety five plays hard. Nine plays hard. Six plays hard. I can't I can't name too many other people, but they play very hard. Like literally, like their hair is caught on fire. They play at a high level. Nine uses his hands a lot. That's why I like him. And that is disruptive in the backfield. When you're in the backfield, I mean, <laughs> other teams gonna have a tough time. All right, that's a perfect segue into talking about Louisville's opponent on Saturday. They uh, they get Clemson uh, a little bit of uh, uh, I guess what's to say licking their wounds, right? Which is a, a good analogy for the Clemson Tigers. Which they come which in is sometimes not a good reason, <laughs> not a yeah, good thing, <laughs> right? Exactly. Which we're going to get into that here in a second. But uh, Clemson comes in losing their first game of the year, and whew, uh, we kept up with that score in Cardinal Stadium, uh, and that one was ugly for them. That is definitely unexpected considering that Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Uh, who beat uh, James Madison. So look at that. You got a wow. little bit of a tree of life happening here in college football right in front of our eyes. So we already beat Notre Dame. Yeah, technically, I guess, right? <laughs> there you go. That's by, that's what the math says. So Louisville will get what we suspect will Clemson. be an angry Clemson on Saturday. Uh, the college football playoff uh, rankings came out just a little bit ago, and Clemson, after being uh, a part of the rankings the first week, is now team number 10 and honestly has no path really back into the college football playoff unless yeah. – I don't know, unless the SEC somehow falls off the face of the planet. Um, but also, I just want to call out NC State, North Carolina, both teams ranked in the top 16. Uh, so, and not to mention, you got Florida State at 23. So, the ACC showing out a little bit this week in the okay, college football right. playoff. But uh, point being, this is a Clemson team that's going to um, definitely be looking to bounce back. They, they put that 38-game win streak uh, at home on the line against Louisville. Uh, but Louisville comes in hot. And this is a game, I think, that – Beginning of the season, we felt uh, like this could be an upset. I even think I predicted Louisville to beat Clemson this year, considering what we saw last year. Uh, but now it's a little bit of a different story. Not that this game's not winnable, uh, but it's it's a different Clemson now. We're going to see what their what their team is like with their backup against the wall. And so that kind of brings us to the first point here is fight or flight. What will we see from Clemson on Saturday, considering that they gave up 262 yards rushing to Notre Dame? Could any of us name one running back from Notre Dame? I don't think we could if we tried. Not one. No, not one. I, think I could name a Notre Dame player, to be honest with you. That, I, I know I that kid from Cub Cath plays there. Yeah, Matthew. The only, only know that kid from name, Oh, Meyer. Yeah, Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DB uh, twenty was sick. I couldn't name him, but he was he was he was sick. Trust, right, trust, trust me, I knew who Kyle Hamilton was whenever we were playing Notre Dame. Like I, right, I knew who yeah. he was. Yeah. Right. yeah, so we got a we got one name and a number, which kind of shows you everything you need to know here. Four guys who right. watch enough college football. So Clemson is now <laughs> they're they're wounded, and Davo Sweeney is uh, going to be put in a spot he's not been put in um, in a long time. Last year they got that pass right; they got a young quarterback. 
they're trying to figure it out. They're rebuilding. Then they lose their their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, neither of whom is doing great right now, uh, I mind you. But uh, now Clemson, they're not playing college football uh, in the college football playoffs. This is this is a different story. Last year, again, I said they're rebuilding. This year, they're not rebuilding. So what team shows up? What do you all think? I mean, are we going to get a Clemson team that you think that um, kind of lays down after they get punched in the face, assuming that Louisville can provide that first punch? Or do you think this is a team that Louisville is just – it's going to be like, well, it's unfortunate that Louisville's the opponent this weekend. I think we're going to roll over Okay. I like that okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad about that. I don't know yeah. if that's true, but I'm not mad about – I think we have a good shot of winning. Uh, pressure on DJ is going to be the key. I mean, I've never really thought of him as much of a mobile quarterback. He seems pretty stiff, runs high, uh, seems like an easy target to hit. Uh, with how our guys tackled, you know, in the holes in that first and second quarter last week worries me the most with Shipley uh, because, I mean, the kid runs hard and he's an elusive back. So if we get on like a one-on-one matchup at a second-level defender, I, I'm not confident in us making a play on that, which could lead to a big play for Clemson that right. we don't need. Yeah. So I would say uh, Clemson's definitely not laying down to nobody, so we can get that out of our head. <laughs> So they're going to come out like – like it's like playing Bama coming off a loss. Bama lost to Texas and What did they do to Mississippi State, who was ranked pretty high themselves? They got steamrolled. I don't think they scored a point. Um, that is the type – that's the type of energy that Clemson is going to come out there with. They're not going to steamroll us at all by any means. But they're definitely going to come out there looking for a vengeance because, that is, like you said, that doesn't happen. That Devil's in a, in a weird spot. Looks like It looks like they can't make it to the playoff, but I know he's preaching to them that they can. And as you should as a coach, be delusional. But um, I just really think that Clemson's going to come out, but I just think that we have we have what it takes to win this game. I can't even stand a lie. The way our defense – if we play – if we play the way we've been playing the past four weeks and don't play how we played versus Syracuse or played versus Boston College, then we win this game. I, I definitely think that we, sh- we, sh- we should and we can win this game. The defense plays how they have been playing. I think Clemson looks very vulnerable. Their The quarterback situation is – Man, it's, it's tough to be in week nine or whatever week it is and be having quarterback controversy and quarterback question marks. Like, that's just not the name of the game. So, if you have that, you shouldn't be winning. I, yeah, I don't want them to replace DJ with that freshman, though, at some point and say it'd be like a 10-10 ball game like it was last week. Right. And that kid come in and throw for like 350 like Kyle Bowen did in 2014. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I've, seen him. I've seen him. I don't like him. I don't, I don't like him either. And it's, it's, he's young. He's young. He's a, he's a freshman, right? Yeah, freshman. So, came freshman. in and got one so, pass last week and threw a pick. Said, nope, never mind. One pass last week threw a pick. I one didn't see that. One pass last week threw a pick. Uh, the week before that, when he came Tom in and McCormick they won did. the game. When they, when they came in, when he came in the week before that, who were they playing where they came back and beat Syracuse? He didn't do a thing. Uh, Shipley ran crazy. Yeah. The only pass that, that uh, Klubnik had that was good was a two-point conversion, and it was a great throw. I vividly remember that throw. I was like, dang, he, he's got it. But that, that was literally it, and everything else was running. I don't like him either. I don't think he's the answer. He's too young. And uh, DJ Ukulele is just, man, he's <laughs> – and then if you put the pressure on him, how you've been putting the pressure on other teams, Coach Brown, if he does it, man, I think we, we win. And they don't yeah, I play. think he's far less mobile than Sam Hartman, in my opinion. Yeah. I think yeah. Sam Hartman's significantly more Like mobile. you said, he runs straight up. He's, I mean, he's not really – He's not a speedster at all. He's not. He's not blowing nobody. He he runs. He's a big guy though. He's, he's gonna fall forward. Yeah, he's yeah. poly. They're all like two fifty. Yeah. I think he <laughs> did score. I think he had a rushing touchdown last year. But if you remember, he went out of the game with an injury, and their backup came in, who is now at Georgia Tech, Tyson Pacamola or something like that. If you remember, he had a crazy last name, and he scored a rushing touchdown. They they did nothing but run the football with him, and he got. I think he had like a 20, 30, 40 yard run or something like that that ultimately kind of pushed Clemson ahead. Uh, but you're right, Gigi. That this this Clemson team um, is very vulnerable vulnerable in the trenches. This is not the Clemson team up front that you would expect. They're tied for 64th in the country, giving up two sacks a game. Um, they turn the football over. Uh, you know they, they've not been great in, in a number of different areas. But at the same time, they are talented. You know they got four right. receivers this season over 300 yards, which. You know, when you think about that, that's really being able to spread the football. And it's come from a quarterback who, like you said, he's not hes not going to wow you. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Taj Boyd. He's not any of these Clemson quarterbacks we've seen over the years. Even Kelly Bryant. I don't even think he's that good. Um, you know, it's just right. – it's really interesting to see 
them in terms of how, how they score so much when you look at the stats and that you see this guy gets sacked a lot. He's not throwing the football very far, but then you're like, oh, wait, they've got Will, they've got, you know, Will Shipley. They've got these wide receivers who, once they get the ball in their hands, can make plays. For Louisville, defensive line specifically, last week, I think James Madison kind of tested that aggression. I think last week, the game plan of slowing the game down, uh, not not passing the football whatsoever, literally being allergic to passing the football, was to try to test the defensive line's aggression, to try to slow them right. down uh, and control that. Um, what do you think from 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 Clemson? How do, how do they you know kind of deal with having these vulnerabilities and, and trying to stop a, an aggressive Louisville defensive line? What what do they kind of do to uh, try to throw them out of their game? So to be honest, I think uh, what has been Louisville's like kryptonite the past few years. I remember when I was there, uh, Kentucky game they tried to lean on you all game and they ran crazy my senior year. Uh, last year Kentucky they ran crazy. Like uh, when teams are when teams, it's usually an SEC team, when you can recruit and you have big guys, like big offensive linemen, because we have a relatively small D-line, you try you try to overemphasize the run in the beginning of the game, which I definitely think Clemson's going to do. They're not going to come out, and DJ um, is about to pass for 10 passes in the first quarter, second quarter. I, don't, I just don't think that is going to happen. They're going to try to overemphasize the run, not just emphasize the run. They're going to try to overemphasize the run, try to get Shipley involved because he's a very good back elusive back, runs hard, fast, and if Louisville can't stop it, they, they're going to continue doing it. So Louisville must stop the run. Obviously, that's the key point in every single game is first point to stop the run, blah, 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 blah. But it's going to be key this game because if you don't – if you can stop the run, then then you put the game in the hands of five, and I hate him. So I don't think he's going to do very well. I mean, to, to your point, Gigi, I mean, when, when I look back at their tape, right, like – what stands out to me is Clemson gives DJ some time. Like they, like their offensive line is good. They give him some time and their wide receivers are very good. And so the way that they beat Notre Dame and the way they beat NC state was he threw a lot of like, it it reminded me Kentucky's offense a lot. Like he just threw up a lot of BS and receivers Mm -hmm. came down with it. Like it was just wide receivers out muscling the DBs. And like when I, you know, when I look at, and not to get off on a UK tangent or anything, but when I look at Will Levis, he has two or three elite wide receivers. He has some really, really good guys on the outside, some solid tight ends, and he can kind of just put the ball out there for them. Even if the ball is behind them too high, too low, they're going to go and get it. And I, I see this Clemson's the same way. If you go back and look at, the, at that Wake Forest game, he had a lot of errant throws. He just he looked, They just looked sloppy. But it didn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, like, he was, you know, the Clemson guys were going up and, and getting those shown balls. And and to me, the way that Notre Dame beat Clemson was Clemson came out and their play calling was conservative. Like, I was just going back and watching their game. Their first five throwing plays were all, all out of RPOs. And it's all screen plays. It's all just very quick, get the ball out of DJ's hands. And it's a lot – It's it's. there's not a lot of downfield stuff. There's a lot of Will Shipley up the middle, a lot of Will Shipley to the outside. And so, essentially, I think that that plays in the Louisville's hands, and that's kind of my question for you is, do you think it plays in Louisville's hands when teams try to go more side to side than they do vertically? To me, I think that's an obvious yes, because I think that Louisville has a lot of team speed in the front seven. What about you? I think definitely what will be – Arrested for disaster for us is them throwing it up to those very talented receivers. But to do that, you have to have time. And our the way our defensive line has been playing and the way Coach Brown has been dialing it up, quarterbacks haven't been having time. Uh, Sam Hartman is a great quarterback. He didn't have time. And once you get hit that many times, you don't want to keep dropping back. That's why he looks so disheveled and uh, making bad throws and things like that. He was they were people were in his face all night. So a great quarterback isn't going to look great when you're worried about the rush. And their O-line played terrible that game as well. So when you look at Clemson, if we can get to the quarterback, then obviously we're going to win the game because they're not going to have time to throw it up to those people. But if we can't get to the quarterback and DJ throws it up, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm overly confident in our DBs. So I would say that's more so the weaker point of our defense is our DBs. So say we're not getting to the quarterback and they're throwing it up. Those, like you said, those uh, receivers. I mean, so they're five stars. They're they're very talented, and I wouldn't say that any of our DBs are five stars. Actually, uh, thirteen is in playing water. Yeah, who's on the other side of him? 
Who's on the other side of him? That is Quincy Riley, number three. Uh, or Jordan I like Bradley. Yeah, or I Brad like Bill. I don't I don't love twelve, man. Golly. Yeah. Your boy too's still out there though. He's he's in his ninth yeah, year. I know. Yeah. I, I can't believe he's been there for so long. I, I feel like it has been. I'm sure he likes like it more. He likes safety more than he likes corner. So, so you, yeah. Well, I was about to say, so you might have played against 12. Jarvis Brownlee played at Florida State for either two or three years. So I don't know yeah. if it was 2020 was his freshman season or 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, was, I wasn't paying no attention. All I know is this year, I haven't been like what I've been saying out of him, man. Golly. So, so with the past, y'all play, y'all pay more attention to me to these games. So the past four games, because in the beginning of the season, our DBs were really not looking good for the state game. Uh, wasn't looking good. Boston College game, awful. Past four games, has it been many opportunities where the DBs are looking great? I feel like, like what, have, they been, what, have they been getting tried? They yes. What they've become more aggressive and being able to to play man to man first of all, and when they've done so, they've not been silly and reckless with their man to man coverage. They played smart. They've not jumped routes when they don't need to. In fact, you saw Control Clark last week against Wake Forest uh, or two weeks ago jump the the, the uh, comeback route to the sideline. Beautiful play, yeah. Quincy Riley. Same thing. Had a ball that was thrown over the receiver's head. He goes up and makes a play. These defensive backs have been much better in their coverage and being trusted. But for me, the difference has been the safeties, man. The coverage over the top has been the best that it's been uh, the last four games since 2019. Even there was issues there uh, with with the safeties. And you might have to go back to 17-16 even with, when you had, uh, you know, Harvey Clemens and you had some of those guys back there. The, the Josh Minkins and, and MJ Griffin, who's a transfer from Temple, has have been game changers like back them. there. Uh, and they, I feel like they have freed up their play and the ability of the staff to trust them has freed up the corners to be much, much better in their coverage, which sounds kind of silly. But, uh, you know, early on the season, you had KD getting beat over the top plenty of times. They put Josh Megan's in a lot of bad situations. Uh, those safeties, they've played much, much better. They've cleaned it up and they've made plays all over the field, man. I love seeing that aggressive safeties. It's like that's what. I, that's what Louisville was built on. And, and my, you know, my years of being in college and being, you know, in high school, middle school, they always had a dynamic pair of safeties all the way back to guys like Hakeem Smith, uh, Calvin Pryor, you know, they, they always made plays back there. So that, that, in my opinion, that's, that's what they've been doing. What, Vincent, what do you think? What, is it, is it coverage? Is it, is it just I think kind a of, lot of it's, free? I mean, the pressure, the Browns dialing up is a big part of it. And I think also it's confidence. Like DB is one of the hardest – corner in particular is one of the hardest positions to play out there on the field, and you have to have the short-term memory and everything. I mean, I, I don't know. Gigi, you would probably sit there and be like, damn, I just got beat over the top, you know, on a, on a touchdown. I, yeah. I know I would too. I would sit there and I'd be sulking in it because I'd be pissed. But, uh, I mean, a good corner has got to rebound off that and, you know, come back and play the next play. So I think – the confidence has been building for these guys. They've strung together one good game, another good game. And now, like you said, Jacob, they're just playing free. And, and honestly, no shame on Kendrick, but he was the problem out there on the defense. And if football, Gigi, you've heard it your entire life. It's 11 people working at one time for one common goal. So if one person's offline, it can jack the entire thing up. And, I mean, there's no reason your safety should be leading your team in tackles and also leading your team in missed tackles. Leading the yeah, country that, in missed that, tackles. That yeah, that's not a recipe for a good yeah. – Yeah, that that so, means, yeah. one, he's not securing the tackle at the second level, and, two, that means linebackers, get there, aren't, yeah. linebackers aren't fitting right. <laughs> that, that switch, those two switches, I think that that's what I pinpoint as, as Louisville's big changes. You know, Scott Satterfield said publicly – that he came in and and he was kind of making some changes to the defense. Yeah, he came now, in there and coached 30 their asses, man. I'm telling you, that is yes, the Satterfield. Yes. In a few years, we're going to get a 30 for 30 about Coach <laughs> Satterfield going 30 in there and ripping somebody apart. No, I mean, your mama it, joke. Like, you know what, that. Whatever he was he was doing, uh, uh, essentially, when when the when the coaches met, right? And I, I think it's a whole culmination of things, right? Like 26, MJ Griffin, he was injured the start of the season. Like he was kind of, and we didn't know this until a couple of weeks ago, but they they really took their time working him in. Meanwhile, Kendrick Duncan, number twenty seven, was was the starting uh, strong safety for for the first six games of the season, and that's Louisville really struggled, um, really struggled with with Duncan back there. 
And he actually yeah. led the, the, the country, according to PFF, and, and missed tackles. Right. Uh, so so if, if you if you look at it that way, when they brought in Griffin, and then I think the other thing that they did that was so key was they were playing a lot of three-corner looks. So they were playing a lot with Keytro Clark kind of in what what I, and I know it's it's a three-four, so it's it's that you guys might call it something different, but essentially for the for the you know average for somebody like me or Jacob, I call it a nickel position. That's kind of what Keytro Clark was playing to start the season. So you have Keytro Clark who's coming back from an injury, he's playing a different position. And then you have Kendrick Duncan coming back as a starter. You brought in MJ Griffin to really push him uh, to, to get some more snaps, but he couldn't because he's injured. Now all of a sudden you got MJ Griffin playing the, the, the lion's share of the snaps. You have Keetro Clark 13 going back to, back to his natural position at corner. Um, and, and you kind of finally see a defense becoming what they were supposed to be. And so that, that's, that's what I think ultimately were the main, the main changes that were made. And I think that was that was the main difference in the defense was they were able to trust the back four, you know, over the top. They were able to trust guys in banned situations and they could finally send the house. They can send these these exotic blitzes and they can they can do a bunch of different things with, with the defense that they couldn't before then. And I think that that has made all the difference in the world. At the same time, keeping as much as we love Monty. Removing Monty as a every down linebacker was for the best because I mean, y'all know way more than me because I I didn't even know these things were going on. Yeah, Monty's not an every down guy anymore. They moved 11 Dorian Jones in for him, and uh, he's more your traditional linebacker. He's a thumper. Uh, Was he around whenever you were there? Yeah, yeah, Debo, yeah, 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 he was there. So, Uh, yeah, Dread, yeah, he cut him off. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. I don't so, know so, if he's got wave going or what, but I mean, I, I learned this story like an hour ago. Debo was on the the coach's show, and he was supposed to come in and be an, an immediate impact type of guy. And or he was young. starting his first game. He was starting for for Louisville. He came in. He was on special teams also, first and he play, tore yeah. his ACL on special teams yeah. in 2019. ACL. So his yeah, he, was, he was like a, a part of the of Satterfield's first class. He was supposed to come in and be that guy. With Monty, and what happened was Monty ended up becoming the guy because Debo came in. He tore his ACL first play of the season, so it, it's yeah. it's it's kind of like a Jermaine Lole. Um, who was it? Uh, somebody against Alabama uh, got hurt like the Jonathan second play Grenard. of the game. Yeah, and Jonathan uh, Grenard. Uh, it was a similar similar situation. Heart, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, right for the best thing. That was, that was the best thing that ever happened in John. What do you get a medical off that and got to go play at Florida? Medical got to go play. At, no, not he didn't even need a medical because no, uh, yeah, he was a red shirt sophomore. Yeah, yeah, went, went to uh Florida and bought out like that. Come on, now, that was literally, the bro. We could have used him at 19, we could have used him at 19, and you know it. That's on yeah, you. That's on him. you, GG. You should have kept We could have used him, but I'm sure he wouldn't be in the position that he's in right now if he stayed at Louisville. So I'm selfish. That's Let fact. me be selfish. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we could have won like out. two more games at least with John on our team. At least. But but then yeah. there would have never been a bachelorette appearance in his in his future. You know what I'm saying? This there dude's out in Hollywood, no, bro. He's out here on the bachelorette. He wouldn't be in the situation that he's in now. Yeah. He needs to. And be I'd much rather bachelor. him. I'd much rather him be in that situation than us have two more wins my senior year. Oh no, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's a true teammate right there. All right, that's, let's talk about the, the other brotherhood. Side. I love let's, that. Let's talk about the other side of the ball quickly, and then get to predictions here for the Clemson game. Uh, for Louisville offensively, uh, what I think you know the obvious thought would be: Well, Notre Dame just had two running backs who ran for a hundred yards each. Uh, like I mentioned before, forty-seven times they rushed the football last week. Two hundred and two. 262 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Louisville, uh, if you if you weren't aware of this, also had two 100-yard rushers last week, uh, which feels nice going into a game against Clemson where they just did that. Uh, so is the is the game plan set? Is Clemson now the team where you just go out there and you run the football 47 times? Uh, because Louisville certainly has got the pieces to do that. Tyon Evans is the real deal. I think we're starting to see him at full speed. Jawar Jordan um, is, man, he is a great complimentary piece to have there. Uh, and then Jalen Mitchell is is always doing his thing in terms of short yardage and being a guy that can get you two, three when you need it. Uh, we don't know what to expect from Trevion Cooley. He was not out there this past weekend. Not sure if he's going to be available this weekend. Uh, but then you have Malik. So is this a thing, guys, do we feel pretty confident that this is, this game plan is to try to 
um, kind of pick up right where they left off last week, and that's continue to be run heavy, run heavy, and then mix in the, the passing game where you feel like you can be um, smart with it and take advantage of teams. Because I, I, I we talked about this in the, the first part of the show, but uh, we got it right last week. I should say I got it right last week, talking about Louisville was going to pick their spots and be it, it was going to be smart throwing the football, and it was ultimately going to lead them to a victory. Malik had his best game of the year. They passed the football in a way that they haven't all year in terms of intermediate to short yardage to uh, even, you know, some of the longer plays. So I guess that's a long-winded question of asking, is it balanced football? Is it you go in all all in on the run and try to, uh, you know, duplicate what what Notre Dame just did? What do you guys think Louisville is going to do from a game plan situation uh, against Clemson on Saturday? I think that uh, you hit the nail on the head with the, I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say this Clemson's just some slouch, but they've been showing that they're vulnerable to the run game. So why not go after it? And uh, I love what I've been saying out of seven. Like you said, he runs the ball hard. We have a, a whole stable of backs who look really good. Like uh, Duar Jordan is good as well. Cooley's good. Jalen Mitchell. But I love what I see out of seven. He's very explosive. He looks fast. And also you can't, can't forget Malik as well. Great. Great at running the ball as well. So I think that will be a staple that they're going to try to implement. But I just hope they don't get too conservative. You can't be too conservative. Can't tuck your tail when you're playing a big-time opponent. Obviously, Clemson's not in the playoff. Clemson's not this. They're not that. This is still a huge opponent opponent for Louisville. They're still Clemson. Mm -hmm. And I just hope – and in games like that, coaches tend to tuck their tail. And I hope that's not what we do. We can't tuck our tail. We can't be conservative. We can't go against the grain on what we've been doing the past three, past four weeks. I need to see an aggressive Satterfield. Like this, can, this cannot be. Uh, I've heard it said before that he's Ned Flanders from The Simpson, which when he is kind of like conservative in his play calling, he does start to kind of mirror that. But I need this yeah. that's yelling at the refs on the way to the right uh, into the huddle this weekend. As soon as he gets off the bus, I need him to be fired up. <laughs> Look, man, we've had our photographer out there on card march the last couple of weeks. Sat has either got a coach that's helping him with mean faces as he walks in, or his demeanor has changed significantly. <laughs> because he does look well, like it's feeling good focused. yeah but he's Before focused he's, he's, he's focused yeah of course when you start I, winning yeah, a little man. Bit. I, I just hope that he doesn't tuck his tail i don't think he will but in big time games coaches get conservative it's just i have no idea why they do that but coaches always get conservative and if he gets conservative and we're out there running stretch right stretch left all game we're gonna get whooped so he needs to run the plays that he's been running Obviously, try to establish the run, but we need great play action pass, RPOs, and obviously just be who we are and not be try to be someone we're not and doing going to conservative uh, BSL. I, I think that I mean you guys have really like emphasized, and I agree with you all. We need to run. We need to run the ball, but like Gigi said, we can't be so mundane and boring with running the football we have to be positive with running the ball because that positive running sets up our pass game you can look at uh you know before you all remember Braden Smith's catch last week uh with the fly motion behind it we'll play prior to that we had ran a run play off of that it was the same thing where you know inside zone Malik could pull it or he has the pitch right there to Braden for the option play well, this time we set it up as a pass play. Things like that, the little nuances in Sats' offense, you know, are all based off of the run being successful. We have to establish a line of scrimmage with the offensive line. Uh, I mean, I felt like Malik was sacked too much last week for a James Madison team, yeah. personally. And, I, I mean, I'm fine with us, fine with having 200-plus yard rushers. I mean, it's hard to get beat whenever that happens. But need to do it against Clemson. I'm not even saying we need two to 100 yard rushers. We just need one of them to be over 100 yards, and Sat needs to play his pass game off of that run game. I mean, think about the high school Harrys we've been talking about last week, guys. Past mm-hmm. two or three weeks, the little BS blocks that Marshawn would go out there and throw. GG, that's what they called him on offense. It's a high school Harry and slip the block, and you know, make it the worst block of your career. Basically, is what they tell you. This is how we coach <laughs> them. And uh, that that stuff that that's all set up by Marshawn running the outside zone going and blocking the second-level linebacker or a nickel or a DB or something. So, I mean, they have to be successful with the run. Otherwise, you know, we're just putting the hands of Malik to throw the ball on third and 13 every game, every play. Yeah. And one thing to, to watch this week will be Malik's, obviously, his hand injury, which they've talked a lot about during media availability today. 
Um, he's got, a, you know, some some form of a, a banged up pan. I don't even know what they called it or what they classified it as. Um, but that's going to obviously play a role. It is in his non-throwing hand. So, you know, he still has the ability to do what he does. Um, but but in, for me, this game, I think uh, for Louisville's offense, the offensive line last year really, I thought, led the way for for this team. They they were able to move Clemson's defensive line in a way I have never seen since Louisville joined the ACC. I mean, maybe back to 2016, but Lamar was more just moving around them than the offensive line was physically moving those guys for him. Um, this this offensive line can play. Uh, and this is an, a this is a, a high level defensive line from Clemson. Uh, now they won't have Xavier Thomas, who's out for the. Uh, I'm not sure if he's out for the season or if he's out for the game, but um, is going to miss this one. They've got other might guys as well be out for the season for us. He ain't going to be. Playing. Yeah, he's not going to be there. Uh, he's out for the year. They say he rebroke his foot. That's sickening, and I do feel bad for him. Oh man, hey, he retracted the same foot. Uh, yeah, I hate to hear you know injury problems like that, but still they've got. Uh, multiple guys, Miles Murphy will be probably uh, no, probably will be a first round pick. He leads the ACC, I believe, in sacks. Um, yeah, they've got Bercy, who is a you know really really strong, versatile defensive lineman. His numbers aren't great this year. He's really not been much of an impact player, but he's the kind of guy against Louisville that can pop up and have a big game, get three sacks out of nowhere just with somebody not paying attention to detail. Um, and so that's a big part of it. Can this offensive line, they're going to hopefully get Luke Kander back in uh, healthy. You continue to rotate Michael Gonzalez in there with Trevor Reed. Uh, they played Michael Gonzalez a lot at right guard this past week. Adonis Boone coming out quite a bit more than what I've seen in weeks past. So they're getting, you know, they're getting to these points now. I've been able to play multiple offensive linemen. Um, and, and so my point being is this is a game where I want to see those guys do it again. Like it shouldn't be a fluke, right? Last year, if, if Louisville comes out this, this weekend and they just move, the, the offensive line, it, it, you know, with ease, we'll say, well, last year was more of just Clemson not being Clemson. I want to see this Louisville offensive line establish their dominance because I was just thinking in my head when you guys were talking about the running backs, like how, how nice would it be to have 10 back in the backfield behind this offensive line? Like, yeah, there was Mackay Becton in 2019 and Howard, Tyler Haycraft, but this is by far the most uh, talented, deep, dominant line that Louisville has had, in my opinion. Uh, and And they can run block really well it's been the running backs that really haven't been able to to make the right plays I think the offensive line in this game can can absolutely uh, control their own and I think that that would be a big part of it um, and then finally Malik Cunningham and I want to ask you about uh, about Malik Gigi because I'm interested on in your thoughts I've been really critical of him this year as a passer um, and that's unfortunate I don't want to be that way but I I, I feel like I was uh, talking a lot about him being an NFL guy could be on an NFL radar coming back could kind of follow in that Kenny Pickett step like he did last year at Pittsburgh going to be a first round pick with the Steelers but Malik has regressed as a passer in my opinion I've seen him from just intermediate throws to some of the 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 really just kind of basic throws that you've seen him complete in the past this year he's not completed those have you seen a different player do you feel like he's trying to be something he's not like, what have you seen overall when watching him compared to what it was like when he was Ross quarterback in 2019? And then what you've seen the last two years, you know, watching, uh, you know, from the, from the couch. I wish I could say that I've like critically watched him to, to give you a, a clear and honest answer without just BSing you, but I, I haven't. So I will say, I like what I see out of him running wise. And I'll also say that they don't put him in positions to, sit back in the pocket and be the most perfect passer. He's not throwing the ball too many times a game to even try to show, to even showcase his, his arm talent. I feel like if he did, we could, it would show much better, but what do we do? We run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action, play action. I'm play action, play action, play action, RPO. That's not showcasing anybody's arm talent or, and, and arm ability. Not saying he has the best arm in the world, but that you can't show it like that anyway. So, the offense that we run is not really showcased for an elite quarterback anyway. I just, I don't, I just don't know. The last couple of weeks, it's been much better from a passing standpoint. It's almost like, like Satterfield has been listening, which I, I hope that's the case. I, I tend to make <laughs> myself believe that's the case, but we've seen him uh, become much more, um, I guess trusting in the way that he calls pass plays for Malik. And maybe it's not that maybe, maybe it's more of um, just kind of opening things up, but we've seen him really take steps forward, passing the football, hoping that that's going to be the case this weekend. Cause they, they need him to have a career game this weekend, both running um, and it doesn't even have to be yardage, but just having the, uh, the best game, no mistakes, no turnovers. Uh, and then obviously being able to move the offense through the air. Let's go into predictions here. I'll go first. 
Um, I think that this is a game that is winnable for Louisville. Yes, Clemson is Clemson, uh, and they always find a way to win, but I think this game is winnable for Louisville. Uh, I think their defense is good enough. Uh, I think that their running attack is uh, potent enough to run against this defense, Um, and I think that the coaching staff is on fire right now in terms of calling plays. All of that being said, I just cannot bring myself at this point to pick Louisville. I just can't. I've thought about it. I've crunched the numbers. I've looked Man. at it. And if, listen here, there's the difference. If Clemson had not just lost this past weekend, I think I would feel much better predicting Louisville to beat them. But I just don't see them dropping two in a row. I could not tell you the last time they dropped two in a row. If that's even happened under Dabo in the last 10 years, I don't know. That's a that's a number we might need to, to pull ourselves. But I think Louisville is going to play this game extremely close through four quarters. But in the end, I think Clemson is just going to be too big, too strong, too physical. And I think they're going to pull it out 34, Louisville 28. I'll go next real fast. I mean, look, I got got Louisville 32, Clemson 27. But here's what I'm going to say with all of this in mind. Louisville is going to have to play like they're going to win this game by 14 plus. And what I mean by that is – you're going to have to look back at this game and say, okay, Louisville thoroughly dominated that game. They were the better team because Clemson gets those calls, man. Like I'm looking back at, they've played four home games this year. They beat Furman 35, 12, Louisiana tech, 48 to 20, Louisiana techs, two and six on the season, beat them 48 to 20 NC state seven and two. They beat them 30 to 20 in Syracuse. If you watch that Syracuse game, it took a lot of help from the officiating, from the home crowd, all, all of those outside factors yep. to win 27-21. Syracuse was winning that game, but, you know, they, they should have had that game wrapped up. And that really is what has set Syracuse kind of on a, on a downward trajectory since then. Uh, and Louisville fans know what I'm talking about. I mean, we've been close twice in the last six years. So basically two out of the last three visits, Louisville had a legitimate chance to win on the road at Clemson and couldn't get it done. I mean, like, I, I know you, like, I don't have to tell you guys what happened. And it was the same way last year. They came down to the last play at home against Clemson. Uh, even in, in Lamar's first year, they came down uh, to the, to the last drive and it, and it took, you know, they, they got with it on, on their own side of the field and couldn't make a field goal. So like it's, it, Wolves always been there and under Satterfield, I mean, even that first year, they kept it close. You know, you guys kept it close and respectable. Up until the, the very the game. The very Up end until the of the fourth law. quarter. And Clemson kind of tacked on like 28 points at the end. And keep in mind that year, you know, they were in, in the, the playoffs. So, like, I mean, Wolfville's been right there. They know how to, how to hang with Clemson. But you got you to gotta have that extra notch. And I think that Wolfville is just on that trajectory. Like, I just think they're there. Clemson's been allowing – so if you if you take out the Boston College and, and Georgia Tech games and you look at just the conference games, these teams that Louisville's playing right with or beating or even blowing out have scored 28 points a game against Clemson. This is not the Clemson defenses of old, okay? So, like, I think that Louisville's going to be right there. In, all, in addition, this quarterback controversy – I'm not going to call it a controversy. Look, it's Clemson. People are making too big of a deal of it. They're eight and one. They're a good team. Even a great team. I would even go out on a limb and say they're a great team. It's just that they have different expectations over the last five or six years. So there's there's a little bit more of a controversy there. With that being said, I think that that the QB kind of whatever it is, the the I'm not going to call it a controversy, but but the situation at quarterback. This is the perfect opportunity to take advantage. But Louisville, I think Louisville will win this game. 32-27 is, is my prediction, but I think that they're going to have to win a game that's more like a 40-20 type of feel to the game. Uh, but 32-27 is my prediction. Louisville, again, I've been I've been doing pretty solid the last few weeks. So You have. You've been right on it. I'll go ahead. I mean, I'll save ahead, you for last. Save you for last. Yeah, I'll go 31-21. Uh, good guess. I think, you know – I think there's a real opportunity there to get after DJ. And if you shut DJ down and make him uncomfortable, just like you did Sam Hartman, to where his feet are just pitter-pattering in the pocket because 
He doesn't know whether to run, to step up, to move. And you get him to the point to where he's even almost afraid to throw the ball and break, you know, that second hand that's on the ball because he knows somebody's coming behind to rake his damn arm. Uh, do that. You got to stop Shipley. Shipley is a key to their offense. He's he's a, he's honestly more of a factor than DJ. If you if you can shut their run game down and force DJ to throw the ball, we get pressure on him. It's going to play into our hand. He's going to throw balls up, and you know I think MJ Griffin does a great job disguising stuff in the back end. Josh Minkins covers ground well. I mean our guys are showing that they can do it in man coverage offensively. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You know, open up your pass game off of that. I mean, that's what's been working for him so far. I mean, it cost him the game against Notre Dame, so that's what I'm going with. Presley, I'm ro- I'm rolling with you again, man. I'm rolling. It's worked for four weeks in a row, so I got to go with it. I'm going with y'all too. I don't know what Jacob got going on, but I'm not with him. <laughs> Louisville. 34, Clemson, 20. I think we dominate the game. Like, I, not dominate, dominate, but I think we will show that we're the better team. I think we'll be the better team for four quarters. I don't think – like, they're, Clemson is very vulnerable right now, very vulnerable. Obviously, I understand the whole Clemson's never lost two games. We've never – Louisville's never beat Clemson, blah, blah, blah. This team is not the same team. 38 wins I, at I, home I, in a row. 38 wins at home in a row. I just want to – Not the same team. Like, are you a Louisville fan or are you a Clemson fan? Anyway, they're not – it's not the same team. It's not the same team. They lost both their coordinators, both of them. They lost their defensive coordinator. He's at Oklahoma, and he's doing terrible. But at Clemson, Clemson's defense was what it was because of Brent Venable. It was because of – all because of him. They lost him. The defense is vulnerable. They don't look good. And it's all because they lost the coordinator. They lost Tony Elliott was their OC. Now he's the head coach at Virginia. That is, they lost both coordinators in one offseason. That is recipe for disaster, and that's why they don't look good to me. And they're very, very vulnerable. When they were thirty-eight and all at home, guess who were their two coordinators the whole time? Yes, them. That's right. And that's right. they don't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they they're going to write the ship. They, I never thought they looked good. They always pull out games. I definitely thought they were going to pull it out last weekend. But once they showed me they couldn't pull that out, Notre Dame's not a good, not a good team. I'm not saying we're better than Notre Dame if we lined up tomorrow, but I just think that we're better than Clemson. Obviously, that's tough to say, but I think we're better than Clemson. They're vulnerable, lost their, quarter, uh, lost their coordinators. They're not the same exact team. I really – they have a bad controversy at quarterback because usually if you have two pretty decent quarterbacks and you don't know which one to start, they have two awful quarterbacks and don't know which one to start. That, that's, that's, that's terrible. That's not a good controversy to have. But to win the game, defense must play at a high level like they have the past four weeks. And if they do that, then – Clemson Twitter is coming for your head. Yeah, when they meet it, if they meet at the Paul, they will have a fat head of Gigi Robinson with them that they will bring to the center of the Paul. Clemson is not Clemson. Clemson is not Clemson. I don't care what happens in the game; they're not them. Very quickly, the last time that Clemson lost a game at home, Lamar's Heisman season, 2016, they lost to Pittsburgh, and everybody yeah. remembers that was like a shocking upset. And, and kind of put Louisville back into the uh, the college football playoff picture there for yeah. a second. So um, just just to, to give everybody perspective, Bobby Petrino's second year was the last time that Clemson lost at home. With that being said, this ain't the same Clemson. So I'm sticking with my – Not, man. I, and I just don't think – people are really underestimating that. Like nobody – none of us mentioned that. Not so many people are mentioning they lost their coordinators. That's why that, that defense, regardless of DJ was bad last year, that defense was amazing because of because of Brent Venables. They were amazing. Like, look how well they played versus uh, Georgia. The first game of the year last year with DJ at quarterback, they lost because he threw a pick six. Like, they, that was the only point of the game, if I'm not mistaken. It was like 7-0 in the game. Yeah. Uh, Brent Venables had that defense playing at a high level for such a long time, and he's not there anymore. That's why that defense is giving up so many dang points. And then when you're giving up that many points and you don't have an offense that can put up points, you're a loser, and they're not going to win versus us. I am here for this energy, man. I absolutely love this. Well, always a great time when Gigi Robinson stops by from the Pink Seats podcast. Gigi, thank you, sir, for your time. Uh, going to be a big game on Saturday. I wish it was at home because it has been a blast the last three weeks going out and watching football. We have had amazing weather, but uh, instead, 
we'll get a road trip and hopefully Louisville can, uh, and Scott Satterfield specifically can uh, add some more impressive, uh, you know, list busters here to his resume as he looks for that extension at some point this offseason. You beat Clemson and Josh Hurd might have that thing on your desk on Sunday morning when you walk in for practice. He'll be riding I, that on the bus back to the I'm just team. saying, that's exactly right. Gigi, man, thank you so much. Uh, we will catch up with you soon. I will say, you've been on the show. I don't know if you listen each week, but when you when you come here with opinions, you are subject the following week before the, before the courts in our segment Right and Wrong to be torn apart. So we will see how your takes hold up <laughs> next week. All right, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, but as always, thank you guys for tuning in from the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vince Lococo, no Matt McGavick. Uh, Gigi, thank you for, for stopping in here and previewing Clemson. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Go Cards. Go Cards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.